We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. Week six of the NFL season kicking off tonight. Broncos and Chargers as the Thursday night matchup. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, could leave us a rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Nick, we got some important items to address as we get started with the Thursday pod for this week. First and foremost, thank you for coming through with the Takeo Spikes uh, hot tub, gym, lost and found, dumpster jersey. I, I, I think you said it was at the gym. It's no. been washed, so I feel good about that. I, I appreciate the gift. 
Right. So what happened at my old apartment, um, you know, recently moved apartments uh, as one does, but at my old apartment in the laundry room, there was a shelf where people could just leave items that they didn't want anymore. It was kind of like, you know, if you had, there's everything from books to furniture to old shirts, sweatshirts, whatever. And one day my roommate at the time comes bounding into the apartment. He's like, you need to go down to the laundry room and check this out. And I'm like, what could this possibly be? I get down there, and on the shelf, there's a, a Brian Dawkins Eagles jersey and a Takiyo Spikes Eagles jersey. And, you know, me being me, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is the haul of a lifetime. So, so I grabbed both. I immediately gave the Dawkins jersey to one of my Eagles fan friends. And I've been holding on to the Takiyo jersey ever since. Um, and I, I brought it up recently. You expressed some interest. And here we sit in the studio. You are wearing jeans and a Takiyo Spikes jersey. Jeans and uh, it's a black alternate Takiyo Spikes jersey. The black alternate Reebok. It's in uh, great shape, though, isn't it? I mean, it's not an authentic jersey; it's screen printed. But for a random used jersey that you pick up for free, like there, it's pretty spotless. Yeah, for a waiver wire jersey, especially, it's in good shape. You know how many cracking on the numbers. You know how many mm-hmm. tears. Uh, all the stains are kind of hidden because it's black. So that's that's nice. I also wonder too. You know, when you go into a drunken stupor and buy a jersey like a Takeo Spikes jersey. Do you have to go into a drunken stupor later to wear it to like decide this yeah. is the appropriate occasion? Like, if you if you didn't like if, if you didn't buy this jersey as a joke, what? when do you decide to wear it as a joke? I mean, it's Takeo Spikes. I mean, it's, this isn't like a Matt Jones Jags jersey. I, I think pe- people respect Takeo Spikes. Didn't he spend one year in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, if you're going to get a Spikes jersey, you would think you'd go Bengals. Maybe you'd go Bills. Um, you know, where he spent his better years, even San Francisco. Um, he only played one year for Philly, like you said. In, in 2007, started 14 games, um, didn't didn't really do a whole lot, one sack. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. If the Takeo Spikes jersey is presenting itself to you, I'm, I was in no position to turn it down. 13th overall pick in the 1998 NFL draft. Great so, draft. Very good draft, and uh, Spikes was a big part of the reason for that. So, Hey, I'm happy to have the jersey now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like outside of this office, where exactly I'm going to wear it. But Are you I'm not going to wear, wear it, it while you coach your high school soccer game tonight. I should. That it, would be a power move, wouldn't it? Just like, whoa, <laughs> is that coach wearing a Takeo Spikes just, just jersey? Just pulls pulls off like a pull off like my jacket or whatever, and I'm just I got the Spikes jersey yeah. on, and I just I'm just like staring down the, team the opposing out coach. Out of the field, yeah, that would be a great power move. Mm-hmm. Or you could use it as like a you know, kind of like a game ball type of thing. Like whoever plays best, like, oh, you get to wear the Takeo Spikes jersey this week. Like you performed well. Yeah, these kids wouldn't even know who Takeo Spikes right. is. Yeah. I mean, it, probably it, not. They they would have no idea. If it weren't for Madden 98 through 2003, I don't think I would know who he was either. No, that's that's fair. I mean, he was only in the league for 15 years, but how many Pro Bowls? Two. Two? Two. That seems low, doesn't it? Yeah, I would have thought like five or six mm-hmm. in uh, 15 years, but – yeah, I'm happy to have it. Uh, the other big question, issue, item that's been pressing is what to do if you accidentally favorite uh, something on, well, on Twitter or if you like something on Instagram. Like, what is the what's the proper protocol? You know, you're just swiping through your timeline and you accidentally like something. Brutal. What um, do you do? Do you do you undo it or do you just kind of like leave it alone? Because undoing it seems worse because they get the notification either way. Like whoever this person is, random person, someone that you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to get this notification. And then if they look into it closely, like more closely, they might see that you no longer like 
that particular right. item. That seems more awkward than just right. leaving it alone. You're caught in the act at that point, um, and you're, you're kind of trying to retrace your steps, which you can't do. I mean, it's it's tough. You know, your Twitter and Instagram kind of oppose each other when it comes to photos because if you're on Twitter and you, you see a photo that you want to you know take a closer look at, you just double tap, it'll it'll blow it up. Instagram, you know, if you get in the habit, you're scrolling through Twitter, and then you switch over to Instagram quick, you don't really think about it, and you want to you want to kind of zoom in on a photo. Now, thankfully, you can do that on Instagram, but you have to kind of pinch the screen, you know, as you would on in, in most photos. You can't double tap because that'll like the photo. Um, and at that point, like you said, the notification's there. If you unlike it, the notification still goes through. Um, you know, your like doesn't show up. Like, at that point, you're just backtracking, and you're, you're digging yourself a bigger hole. I think you just have to own up to the like. You know, it can be a little creepy, especially if the photo is more than a couple weeks old. Um, you know, <laughs> it can the be older, very creepy. The older the photo, the creepier the like. Um, <laughs> but it's a kind of a high risk, high reward strategy. You know, maybe maybe you're you know you're you're stalking a girl on Instagram, and um, Jeez. you know, and they see the notification and they're like, oh, it's, you know, all right, I'm, I'm interested. Like, it, it can go both ways, is what I'm saying. Most of the time, it's a bad thing, but you know, it can be a way in. Maybe this is the PSA for maybe you shouldn't stalk people. Do you have Instagram, by the way? I have it on Instagram. Yeah, I do have Instagram. I don't really use it much. Yeah, I think we just became Snapchat friends this past weekend. I tried to snap you a a shot of Thon Maker at the the Bucks game, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. Well, I don't think you accepted my friend request, because I I tried to snap you earlier that day, and it sent, but it said you hadn't accepted the request, so you couldn't receive it. Figures. I, I can't figure out Snapchat. You'll get there. But moral of the story with regard to the likes and the accidental favoriting, just don't stalk don't do people. That's, well, that's the. It's not really an option. It's not really an option for Nick. All right, so let's move on to this week six slate. We talked about the Thursday game uh, being the Broncos and Chargers. I don't like the Chargers at all in this game. Broncos mm-hmm. coming off a loss at home to the Falcons. They are on the road, so I guess that levels the playing field just a bit. Trevor Simeon still considered questionable to play in this game. I like the offense in Denver more with Simeon, if only because I feel like he's less prone to make mistakes. And with that, you get to run more plays in the red zone. You probably have an offense protecting a lead. And that, to me, seems like a better setup for C.J. Anderson. I think the value of Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas is pretty stable regardless, but I just think the team as a whole is in a better place with Simeon right now. And with that, Anderson's value becomes safer. Yeah, I mean, Simeon obviously hasn't been there that long, but I think it was evident with the switch to Lynch last week that this offense was more comfortable uh, with Trevor Simeon under center. And, you know, to Lynch's credit, he he didn't play poorly. You know, he certainly didn't cost him the game. Um, You know, 23 of 35, over 220 yards, did throw a pick. uh, But Denver really couldn't get anything going on the ground. Three and a half yards per carry as a team. C.J. Anderson individually just barely... Uh, over that yard per carry average but but like you said Sanders and Thomas you know led this team in targets and receptions um you know I think I think their value is pretty stable regardless of who's under center um but but I mean was it the Denver defense that kind of let them down last week I mean 23 points is an enormous total especially for how well the Atlanta offense has been playing um but I guess I expected expected Denver's D to, to kind of expose Atlanta as a bit of a fraud offensively because of who they had played, but in some ways it was the other way around. A big part of that game last week was Tevin Coleman as a receiver, which I didn't really see that being the difference in the game at all going into it, but it was obviously uh, a big source of Matt Ryan's value. Like half of his yards pretty much went to Tevin Coleman. 
on just six targets. Julio Jones is kept in check. I think the Denver defense did its job. I think Paxton Lynch threw the pick, got sacked six times, uh, fumbled twice, didn't lose either of them, but just didn't play that well. I think really the offense just let them down. And if your defense holds Atlanta to 23, I mean, that's... Well, are, we, are we considering this Atlanta offense to be that good where, you know, holding them to 23 is, is an accomplishment now? I mean, I, I think that's fair, um, you know, especially with as good as this Denver D is. But, I mean, are we fully ready to buy in at, in Atlanta as, you know, the best offense in football, as the statistics would suggest? No, I think it's, Pittsburgh's better, I mean, for one. But I, I think with, with Atlanta, you're always going to have that doubt that they're going to come crashing back to earth post-October. Right. I mean, this is... This is usually the time of year where Atlanta starts to fall apart. Last year, I was a, the classic example of that, of course. And right. I, I just I don't know how much more do you buy into their personnel and their coaching the now is, than a year ago. It's it's Mohamed Sanu instead of Roddy White, right. and otherwise it's mostly the same. Like Austin Hooper's not doing a lot at tight end, so it's not like they've changed anything at that position. They look better though. Like you know, they started five and one last year. And but you didn't get this quite the same feel. You know they, they weren't dominating teams offensively like they like they kind of are through five weeks this year. Um, but at the same time, it, it's you know they didn't make these drastic personnel moves. I think you'd like them to have a better number two. I think behind Julio Jones. I mean Jones being as good as he is kind of mitigates that in some ways. But you know I just I just don't know. You know if they suffer an injury to to Coleman or Freeman. Uh, or if Julio Jones, you know, becomes more banged up than he seems to be week to week, I, I think we could see this offense fall off considerably. Yeah, it, it's it's still one of those scenarios where I, I I'm not fully trusting them, despite the performance all season and even with what they did last week, which was uh, impressive nonetheless. I mean, I, I think the Falcons just did a good job of, of cashing in when they had opportunities. You can't leave mm-hmm. points out on the field against Denver, and they didn't do that. I think that's the the big thing that. That really kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I think so too. Matt Ryan didn't throw any interceptions. Um, they did lose a fumble, uh, Mohamed Sanu, but you know, one turnover against this Denver defense. I think that's the way to beat him. You know, they didn't ask Matt Ryan to to throw the ball forty times and and you know, keep testing the secondary. They kept they stuck to the game plan. I mean, they were able to put up over one hundred twenty rush yards on, on a great rushing defense, and and Ryan was efficient. You know, only twenty eight attempts, only fifteen completions. So. You know, barely over 50% completion percentage, but he was still almost able to get to 270 yards on those 15 completions. So what can the Chargers do against the Denver defense? Do they have any chance of getting the W at I home tonight? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, we, we just talked about how Atlanta doesn't have a ton of weapons offensively, but, you know, what really, really hurt them in this game was Tevin Coleman catching and running out of the backfield and, and poor tackling by that Denver defense. I don't think San Diego has that same kind of threat. You know, Melvin Gordon has, has had a nice bounce back year, but... The rushing totals haven't been all that good. You know, he's been more involved in the passing game just out of default because Danny Woodhead's been hurt. But I don't think you look at him as a guy that you know you can throw a swing pass to and expect him to break two or three tackles and and rip off a big play like we saw Coleman do a couple times last week. Over under in this one's forty four. Denver favored by three. Usually the home team gets three if, if all yeah. things are neutral. So you do wonder, you know, if that line changes if Simeon's ruled in. <sighs> It would go up a like a now. half point, maybe. I, I don't yeah, know. I the difference, like the Vegas difference between Simeon and Lynch might be pretty small. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it is easy to forget. I mean, how good Lynch, uh, excuse me, Simeon looked a couple weeks ago against Cincinnati. I think, you know, that to me was kind of the next step game for him where he went from, you know, kind of limited playbook game manager to, all right, we're going to let this guy, you know, kind of open things up. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's it's tough to tell, especially with it being a Thursday game, you know, if if the line will change or if it really matters. But 
Um, I mean, do you like Denver either way, regardless of who's under center? Yeah, I'm going to take Denver yeah. and give three. I, I just think San Diego... <sighs> Everything has to go right for them to win. That's the thing. Like, San Diego works against themselves so much that it's hard to see this Denver team making enough mistakes to let San Diego win this game. I think without Keenan Allen especially, it's mm-hmm. one of these matchups where they're really going to miss him because guys like Benjamin and Williams have to match up against better corners right. without Allen on the field. That hurts them quite a bit. Melvin Gordon, I think, is going to get volume but probably going to have a difficult time with efficiency. It, it just doesn't set up well at all. And I'll, I'll probably be wrong because I've been wrong about pretty much every game I've picked so far this year, but I will take the Broncos. Uh, let's move on to the Niners and Bills. Colin Kaepernick, return of the Mac, back under center. I mean, is this going to be as much of a just media storm as I think it will be? I I mean, I kind of thought we'd be past this by now, but, you know, this is going to kind of reignite, I guess, all of the the Kaepernick fuel that's been, you know, simmering, I guess, the last couple weeks. Obviously, it peaked around week one, and I think it's going to be right back where it was a few weeks ago. Yep, it's going to be uh, highly watched for yes. reasons that have nothing to do with the game itself, which is kind of annoying. Uh, I mean, this is a 1-4 San Francisco team. The thing about it, okay, Kaepernick's rusty. He hasn't played since November of last year, like, as far as getting a start. He's got a supporting cast led by Jeremy Curley in the passing game. Good running game with Carlos Hyde. That's fine. And we don't know, one, how mobile Colin Kaepernick's going to be, and we don't know, two, where his arm strength is at right now. If he has the same arm strength he had before he got hurt, Sure, that that changes things a lot about what San Francisco can do offensively. If the arm strength is still lacking, I'm not sure there's that much of a difference. And if he's not mobile, I mean, Blaine Gabbert was at least mobile. There's there's a wide range of outcomes. Like yeah. On the one hand, I, I see the case for picking up Kaepernick if you don't have a quarterback you like because he should be good in Chip Kelly's offense. Fundamentally, he should be. But he might not be good at all. Like He might just be broken and done, and the personnel around him might be bad enough where even if he's good, it may limit his output to the point where he's only a fringy QB2. So he's like a forced add, but then almost a hold outside of two quarterback leagues in this matchup, even though Buffalo hasn't been that good against the pass. They're giving up like eight yards per attempt this year. Well, that's the thing with Kaepernick. Is like, what is a good game for him? You know, two hundred yards, maybe fifty rushing yards, which is fine. I mean, that is, that is a great game. But he's not, he's not going to give you high end type of value with the weapons around him. I think you said that perfectly. I mean, this is a San Francisco team that's thirty first in passing yards per game, so you can't really fault them for making this change. I mean, they couldn't get anything going through the air, and a lot of that is because of those weapons. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much of a difference there is right now between Gabbard and Kaepernick from a rushing perspective because. I'm starting kind of midway through last year. We we saw Gabbert run more than I think anybody even knew he was able to. And, you know, Kaepernick isn't Michael Vick. You know, he's certainly above average as a, as a running quarterback, but he, you know, he doesn't have four, three speed or anything like that. I, I don't know that we're going to start, you know, seeing a new dynamic with this offense. Um, although, you know, in the Chip Kelly system, I guess if you could, if you could pick out the quarterbacks around the league, that would at least on paper appear to fit, you know, kind of that Oregon archetype. Kaepernick's probably one of the four or five that you choose so you know we'll see at least it, it makes things interesting for San Francisco I mean they've really haven't been relevant since since beating the Rams in week one uh and the nice thing for Kaepernick is you know he's going on the road to a a nice docile fan base in Buffalo I, I'm sure there won't be any hostility there no there would never be hostility no. there he's gonna get booed on like every snap in the first quarter right probably yeah I would I would bank on that uh, the Bills are favored by seven and a half the three and two Bills by the way 
who have been on a roll since Sneaky firing Greg, Bills. Greg Roman. They, so they, if they win this, they're four and two. They're at Miami next week. That's very winnable. Miami probably comes in as a one win team with Pittsburgh this week. I think mean, the Bills could be five and two heading into their second matchup with New England in a couple weeks. It's possible. I, I just don't. I don't buy into this team. I don't either. Um, San Francisco is not good, but I think they are not uh, seven and a half points. Who has worse the worst than Bills. receiving core right now? San Francisco or Buffalo? Is or, it a or, or Tennessee? Or yeah, or Tennessee. Sure, you can throw them in there too. Those, those uh, without three, Sam, right? without Sammy Watkins, the Bills' receiving core is worse than I think San it's like Francisco's. Jeremy Curley is the best receiver in this game, right? Maybe Torrey <laughs> Smith. Blaine Gabbert doesn't throw it on field. Yeah, but, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Wow, this could go one or two ways. I think Kaepernick either plays really well in the Niners win, or they just get destroyed. This could be good this or bad a, for yeah, the Sharks. Right. It's one of the best lines ever written in a RotoWire update. One of the uh, young interns we had back when I started. He was like a freshman. We don't have a lot of freshmen that come in as interns. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, really nice guy. And he he was writing a note on, I want to say the Olympics, like one of the Sharks goalies at the time, probably Evgeny Nabokov or something, played in the Olympics and did whatever it was he did, gave up two goals on 30 shots, something like that. And the analysis, there's not really any analysis for like off-season hockey no. or non-NHL like hockey, those non, non-league events. And the analysis was just, this could be good or bad for the Sharks. And I just, just I've always laughed at that. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it has to be one or the other. It can't. It's hard to argue with that. It's hard to, flawless logic. I mean, that's, that's basically what you're saying. I'm going to start Cap. including that in notes. But, but you're, you're thinking, like, it's either going to be a Cap disaster or yeah. a, a crazy success. You don't see him coming out, throwing for 200 th- yards, rushing for 30, yeah, only scoring like, once. You know, just you know, losing by three or four. Uh, it's going to go one or two extremes. Okay, you're not taking the middle of the bell curve. No. I, I think it is going to be on the middle of the curve, outcome-wise, where I think San Francisco keeps it close. I'll take San Francisco Yeah, well, the, the thing points. is, Buffalo's not, you know, they're not an offense that can pile up points all that quickly. Doesn't seem like it, anyway. That, that's yeah. uh, that's my feeling. Uh, Eagles, Redskins, also a noon central kickoff. I'm all about central, since I live here. Uh, what do you think? I mean, this is a 44.5 over under, 2.5 point Eagles uh, line favoring them at Washington. Uh, do you buy that? Do you think Washington should be a home underdog against Philly? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I neither of these teams I feel really great about. Uh, I think everybody was kind of ready to, to pile on the Eagles bandwagon, and then you know they lose at Detroit last week, a game that they probably should have won uh, if Ryan Matthews doesn't fumble late in that game when they're trying to run out the clock. Um, Carson Wentz took kind of what I thought was an, an odd amount of heat for for throwing a late pick in that game when they they really needed a deep ball. It was a good play too. Yeah, I mean it was it was a nice catch by the safety, a, a ball that he shouldn't have thrown. You know, you can fault Nelson Aguilar for not playing better defense, but I think that's kind of a futile argument as well. Um, it was just, it was just a rookie quarterback type of throw, and I don't see it being anything that's going to affect Wentz going forward. Um, you know, it's just kind of something that we probably should have expected from him before this. I mean, he's just played so well. I think that the bar was set maybe a little too high, but I like the Eagles. Um, I think this defense can force Kirk Cousins into some mistakes. I don't think this is an egregious line, but, but at the same time, you know, I think this Eagles team doesn't necessarily have the look, uh, you know, of a team that the record might suggest, at least at this point. Um, you know, I, I still think they could finish you know, as a as an eight win team, and that wouldn't be all that surprising. I'll take Washington with the points. I, I think these are almost uh, even teams as far as 
strengths and weaknesses go overall. I mean, they're different strengths and different weaknesses. Eagles being a good defensive team, Washington having a bit more firepower offensively. I, I still, I don't know, I don't know how Jordan Reed would play in this game. He's already had several concussions in his career. This is just another in a long line of, of a consistent, like serious problem for him. But if he's not out there, it doesn't do enough for me to think the Washington offense won't find a way to move the ball. Yeah, I mean, so you think they will move the ball? You're saying? Yeah, like I, I think yeah. they'll move it regardless. I and mean, Reed's a key player for them. But I think with like Niles Paul and Vernon Davis, they'll be ample at tight end. They'll they'll just lean more on the receiving core, like Deshaun Jackson. You know, Deshaun Jackson is going to be up for this game as he always is. Yeah, up up for the Eagles games, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I have a great read on this. Who's the best team in this division right now? Is it Dallas or is it one of these two? It's Dallas. No, Dallas actually is better than these two teams and better than the Giants right now. It could, could certainly change, but. They're the team you would trust the most. They look like 2014 Dallas when it was just downhill running all the time, all over everybody. You know, quarterback play very good, and you know when it needs to be, but you're not really relying too much on that. And I think that's a tough style to beat when you can consistently move the run like that. Yeah, I think it's 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 also a question too with Washington. Yeah, can they run the ball? I don't think so. They were able to run the ball a couple weeks ago. But that might have been a one-time thing. Yeah, like that against Cleveland, they can run the ball. Like a lot of people can. Like run the Dallas ball is the one team in this division that you look at, and you're like, they can run it on anybody. Yeah, like they they're built like the 2014 Cowboys, yeah. like you said. They're the Demarco Murray Cowboys of two seasons ago, and Zeke might even be a better player than Murray was then. Yeah, I, I think Murray was a great fit for how that line liked to run. But I mean, Zeke might be an even better fit. He's a little bit quicker through holes. I mean, I, I you know that long run that he broke off last week, you know, not getting caught from behind. Like Demarco Murray can make that run, but. DeMarco Murray, I don't know if he can, I don't know if he makes it all the way to the end zone. You know, like that that's the difference I think between those two is Zeke seems to have that extra gear. Murray's a little bit more powerful between the tackles, but I think Zeke's a little more dynamic. Let's talk Browns Titans. Titans favored by seven. Come on. Titans favored by seven against man, anybody. I don't, I, do we I mean do we have to talk about this? Are we obligated? This is this is a gross, gross game. Required by law. I, I want someone to watch this game Titans start to finish. The Titans shouldn't be favored by seven over anybody. No, they have no business being favored by seven. Yeah, I don't. This is a this is a kind of a head scratcher. Um, I mean, you kind of have to like the Titans just because of how much you know how much, how much in shambles this Browns offense is. But the Titans really haven't given you much to believe in, you know, despite having two wins. Is this one of those games where Demarco's going for like one fifty and two scores, and Derrick Henry's going for seventy five and a score? I could definitely see that. I mean, like we just said, teams have been able to run over Cleveland and. I guess if there's one thing to like about Tennessee, it's, you know, the rushing attack has been really, really good with Murray this season. And I think if they're just able to rely on that, you know, not ask Mariota to do too much with that horrendous receiving core, that it, it could just be a, you know, run out the clock, win this one 17 to 10 type of game. You yeah. do wonder, though, I mean, are, are the Titans looking ahead to that Thursday night matchup with the Jags? Probably. Probably. Everybody, weeks. Everybody's yeah. looking ahead to that. I mean, I, I'm guilty of that for my fantasy teams. I'll yeah. probably just completely whiff on this week because I'm looking ahead to the mm-hmm. Thursday Titans-Jags matchup in week seven. Uh, with the Browns, I mean, they promoted Kevin Hogan from their practice squad. Sure. He might end up taking snaps at quarterback. Actually, there's a good chance he will because that's just what's happened to the Browns yeah. It's really fun to see year. all these former, like, good college players just pop up on the Browns roster and you know you hear about guys like that you know oh practice squad or he's the third quarterback like no you go to the Browns like you're just gonna get to start possibly go to Cleveland you never know everybody can play in Cleveland I'm gonna take the Browns with the points I don't know if they're gonna win outright but 
Tennessee being favored by seven against anybody seems off. How Cleveland would it be, by the way, if the Cavs win the title, the Indians win the World Series, and then the Browns go 0-16 in the same year? That's still not That's very Cleveland. How I mean, would it not be? It's, it's very Browns, but it's not very Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. It's very Browns. Cle- Cleveland, like, Cleveland, Cleveland would have been like, they, like, the two good teams would have found horrifying yeah. ways to lose. And that still is in the cards for the Indians. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous for the Indians. I think the Jays are a tough matchup for them. But Did you I, see the uh, who's what's the, the plane dealer columnist kind of retracted his statement the other day? I thought that was interesting. Yep, Paul Hoynes. Yeah, yep. tough yep. tough break for Paul. Read the comments on that article. It was not pretty. He got smashed yeah. on that I thought that people article. would be like, oh, nice. You know, that was nice of you to do that. Nope, complete opposite. No, pe- people, no. Grace is very selectively applied. <laughs> Uh, Ravens-Giants, Giants favored by three at home, so even teams. I think that's reasonably fair, and I think both these teams are questionable in terms of how good they actually are. What do you expect? Do you expect to see Terrence West getting volume, making things happen on the ground? Do you expect to see Eli Manning bounce back after a bad showing in Green Bay on Sunday night? Do you think this is the game Odell goes off for 140 and two TDs? Like, What's, what's the storyline going to be in this matchup? I don't know. I mean, I, I've written here. This is my toss-up game of the week. You know, I, I've we should have that as a feature. You should have a, the Nick Whalen toss-up yeah, game of the sponsor, week. Sponsor though, like what kind of sponsor relates to like toss-ups? Uh, Hams is always standing by. Hams never called us back. Uh, toss-ups. Well, he toss like salad stuff, like mm. croutons and stuff. Maybe we can get like a crouton bacon bit sponsorship yeah, going. Maybe I want real bacon though. I don't want dehydrated fake bacon. I don't like bacon, so I'm gonna not comment. What? On that. Yeah. You don't like bacon? Nah. No. I don't do bacon. No, no. This is not true. This I, is a this I has like we've to be a lie. We I didn't no, I'm no, sure I'm not a bacon guy. I'll, every I'll, other person you've met in your life has questioned this about you. Yeah, pretty much. I just, it's just not that good. It's overrated. I mean I'll eat it every now and then, but I like if I have a choice, I'm not eating it. What what are you choosing instead? I don't know if you, you know if it's between that and like scrambled eggs or like they go together. You can have both. Yeah, you can. You, you can have all three. Have I like burned bacon. That's it. Like really charred. Yeah, I, I like crispy bacon. I mean, like mm-hmm. not burnt. But I, I don't know. I've, I probably had bacon like less than five times in my life. I had very uh, forgiving parents that were willing to not force me to eat things like bacon. They are much nicer than I am. Uh, what do you expect from the Giants running game? Do you see anything there to get excited about? Do you see one of Darkwa or if Rashad Jennings comes back and anyone getting things going on the ground or just kind of a I nightmare? Don't know. It's, it's hard to say, you know, because they, as expected, you know, they weren't able to get anything going against Green Bay's rush defense, you know, only 43 yards as a team. Uh, but at the same time, you know, only 14 carries to running backs in that game. You know, I, I think they tried to get Orleans Darkwood going. He he was stifled more than anybody. You know, seven carries for 11 yards. Bobby Rainey had the only run you know, on the Giants' side over 10 yards in that game. So, you know, I'm kind of willing to throw out that sample size just because of how good Green Bay has been. But this Ravens team, I don't – I mean, we talk about they're – they're in the same tier to me as the Chargers. You know, the Ravens are, are much better record-wise, but – the way that they've won some games, you know, they could easily be a one-win team, and and even the way that they lost some games, they could easily be undefeated. Yeah, they've had opportunities they've squandered. I don't like them as much away. I know they've won their first two games in the road, but I think the Giants pulled a three and three, and the Ravens dropped a three and three in this yeah. one. I'll give up the three points as well. I think the Giants win this one. I don't know, twenty-seven, twenty-one, something along those lines. Not a ridiculous mm-hmm. shootout, but a reasonably high-scoring game. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting for the Odell breakout week, right? And you know, I'd, 
you know, we brought up law of averages last week, and obviously that doesn't really mean anything in, in real football terms, but he can't keep having these pedestrian games, you know, even if it's only one or, you know, one, two, three, four times throughout the season, he's going to have one of those games. And you, you kind of, as a fantasy owner, you don't want to, you know, miss out on the week that that, that, that happens. I, I agree. Uh, well, here's the, here's the good news. Like you as a bacon hater, like you're probably in some kind of weird minority, right? Like I would think like yeah. most people are all are pro bacon. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, there's probably a support group for you out there, and if there's not, you can make one. Like the the bacon is overrated support group because you guys you've probably been harassed your entire yes. life. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all all six and, of you between this and being a Jaguars fan is like there's like to a lot of people those are like two of the worst sins you can commit. Well, you need to go see like some kind of like taste doctor and see if uh, if everything's working properly. Well, I just searched bacon plus overrated on Google, and looks like our good friends at BuzzFeed have 19 reasons why bacon is overrated. I'm actually surprised Google didn't find a way to like, like reprogram your computer <laughs> to just computer clamp just down on your smoking, face and just, yeah. just murder you for that because that's just such a horrible, horrible take. Well, if you need a website, maybe you need a support group like Nick and no website exists, you can do it yourself with Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business or your hatred of bacon, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy hating bacon to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, Nick, Panthers Saints. It's a must-win for the Panthers, right, at 1-4, and four, going on the road to New Orleans? I think so. I think um, they would have benefited quite a bit from Denver beating Atlanta last week but I think you know that that was kind of the game that that you know if you're Atlanta now you've a three game lead four game lead already. commanding three yeah. game lead uh already you know in the division and in the NFL that's a that, that's a tough lead to make up even if you have the, t- the talent that the Panthers do um yeah I, I think this is in, in many ways a must win especially if Atlanta wins this week uh otherwise you know the Panthers are probably looking at a wild card at best uh the good thing is they play the Saints so if there's a team that you want to get back on track against as an offense, it's probably this one. Yeah, the Saints' defense still very porous. Saints coming off a bye, uh, so maybe that helps them extra time to game plan, but it sounds like Cam Newton's going to be ready to go in this one. He was back on the practice field Thursday for the second day in a row. Uh, the bigger question for me is just what they do at running back. I mean, Cameron Artis Payne had a nice game Monday up against Tampa Bay. Uh, Jonathan Stewart also practiced for the second day in a row, is coming back from a hamstring injury. It sounds like he'd be good to go too, but the Panthers are off after this game. They have a week seven bye, and if they have any feeling that Stewart might uh, benefit from the extra rest, sitting him out could still be an option. I, I think the key is if you know, you, you're a Cameron Artist Payne owner, or you became one this week, don't have him locked into a spot just yet. Have a viable backup ready just to right. see what happens Friday and leading into game time because – I don't think it's a lock that Stewart plays, even if he practices Friday. But Payne, Cameron Artis Payne's role 
if Stewart is back, is too small to rely on. Yeah, I, I think so. But, I mean, even if Stewart, if Stewart is cleared and he does play, I mean, are we going to see him in his regular role? Like you said, with that bye week looming, you know, is this kind of a game where they maybe try to dip him back into, act, into action and it's a, you know, somewhat of a split with Artis Payne? Um, I mean, I'm a Stewart owner and someone who desperately needs him to come back in, in our stake league. Um, but even I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, you know, that, that, that he's going to have the full workload. I think he has to because the way the roster is built, if he's active, they have to give him a full workload. It's the yeah. same reason why Cameron Artis Payne wasn't active like week one against Denver, right? Yep. He was buried until Stewart got two, hurt. He too. Yeah, he was just held out because he doesn't play special teams. You can't have two guys, uh, two running backs who don't contribute in that facet no. of the game. So if Stewart's active, weird. I think that's where, where Artis Payne really um, clearly gets like just demoted. And that's just the way the, the Panthers roster is structured. Panthers are favored by three. I think I'd take the Panthers giving up the three. I've been burned three weeks in a row picking the Panthers um, in my pick'em league, and but still, it's the Saints. So I'm firmly on team pick against the Saints more than I am favor the Panthers. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jags Bears forty five and a half is your over under. Bears favored by two and a half. I think that's a typo. A, t- a typo. Um, it's a typo on every website that has lines. Yeah, all the websites have typos. Right. It just yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, tickets are available for this game starting at $109. You going to this one? I actually thought about it. I really did. Um, but I have a bunch of friends coming to town for the big Ohio State game on Saturday. So basically that would have been a, you know, stay up, watch the Ohio State game and have to get up really early in the morning, drive to Chicago, tailgate, you know, harass some Bears fans. A, 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 noon, a noon kick in Chicago if coming was, from Madison post-Wisconsin-Ohio yeah. State game at night would be right. very tough. Well, and the other thing, too, is the Cubs play Saturday night in Chicago and Sunday night in Chicago. Like It just would have been a complete It's going to be a mess. train wreck um, down there. If it, was a, if it was a mid-afternoon game, I would pretty confidently say I would go. Um, I've never been to Soldier Field before. I think that would be a good time, but uh, still a little bit pricey for a Jags game, don't you think? Well, it's a Bears game on a weekend right. where there's a lot going on in <laughs> Chicago. The same argument applies, yeah. Well, the Jags are just there. Like it's, it's yeah. they're not the reason for the event mm-hmm. per se. But I, I'm taking the Bears, giving it the two and a half. Brian Hoyer is better than Blake Bortles. Nick, he's better. I wouldn't want to build a team. Got up and walked out. Of here. <laughs> I wouldn't um, want to build a team around Hoyer compared to Bortles, given their ages. Yeah. No, I'm just, I mean, I'm just messing with you. He's been up over 300 the last three weeks. I no, can't. I, I, to be made there. I can't even mess with you like on this one. Like I, it's not that. I that, listen. I listen to a lot of podcasts throughout the week, and everybody's down on Bortles. And the more like, every week, it's just piling on. And people that I trust and, and like, you know, experts around the league are, are, are out on Bortles. He's which, he's missing throws. He's missing, well, so is Aaron Rodgers. But so. I mean, Hoyer's not <laughs> better than Bortles, and he, I don't know, man. He we'll see. This will this will decide it. The Bears are not a bad offensive team though, right now. Like the, no, the defense so is the problem. Not, no. So I, th- I think this game is going to be a high-scoring game. But I, think I, so too. I, I like the Bears at home in this one. I think the Hoyer-Jeffrey combo and the Hoyer-Cameron Meredith combo uh, looks really good. There's Zach Miller's been productive, else, though, too. For Chicago, I mean, Kevin White, uh, he's not going to play, right? He's out for the year. He's on IR. Yeah, he's out for the year. Jeffrey, limited in practice this week. He's been I limited mean, all year. He's yeah, fine. I mean, he's Cameron Meredith is good. You're, you're underestimating Cameron Meredith. I guess. I mean, Eddie Royal might not play in this one either. They're, that doesn't matter. Who's their other receivers? You only need two. You need two and a Who's tight their end. Second one, Mary? It's, it's like Tecmo. All you need is two and a tight end. It's not like Tecmo though. It's just like Tecmo. Playing against the Are Jags is entirely the, yeah. like Tecmo. In some ways, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't love. I Jag, the Jaguars on paper have almost better weapons than what seventy percent of the league. 
What are they doing then? Why are they winning? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it just it, it hasn't added up, you know, and it's kind of the cautionary tale of, you know, team makes flashy additions, but we haven't seen team play and everyone thinks they're going to be better than they are. But I still think the Jags are better than the Bears. I'm going to take John Fox and company giving up the two and a half. We're on opposite sides on this one. Rams, Lions, Lions, three and a half point favorites at home. What do you make of Todd Gurley right now? Below three yards per carry for the season through five games. It's bad. Um, I mean, we know it's not Todd Gurley himself like falling off, right? It's just it's the, the, an offense that's very predictable and yes. one where you say, go ahead, Case Keenum, take your shots right. downfield. Right, exactly. It's that, and it's a, not a great offensive line. Um, Lions are bad. They, they beat what we think is a good Philly team. Your Philadelphia, Takeo Spikes, Eagles last week um i mean I, I think detroit when they're when their offense is humming they can move the ball on anybody and this rams defense has been very up and down in terms of points allowed um not really worried about the detroit rushing attack but you know if stafford's able to get anything going downfield i don't know that the rams can be counted on to score enough you know to keep up but I mean, this is another toss-up to me i don't think the rams are a three and two team necessarily um detroit like i said is appears to be a different team every week yeah, the, the Lions are one of these teams that they underachieved to start, but they're kind of rebounding from it. Well, you know they're not good, but they're also never a team that you can say, like, all right, I, 100% they're going to lose. Like, unless they're playing New England or Denver or Pittsburgh, like, I feel like they can beat just about anybody on the right week. Why? I don't know. <sighs> the Rams' defense should be good enough to just make you would Matthew think? Stafford look bad. Right, but, I mean, another volume passer, you know, in Jameis Winston a couple weeks ago, He, I mean, what did he get to 30? Three points, thirty-five points. I can't take a Jeff Fisher coach team. I can't. I can't do it right now. Well, you got to think. I mean, if they, they have lose, to go back to five hundred, right, and if they lose, where are they? They're going to be five hundred. That it, magnetic pull back to five hundred. But all right, so they're getting three and a half. Can they keep it in three and a half though? That's that's the I think so. that's the challenge. So you're going to take the Rams with the points. Yeah. Not oh, a great home environment. I hate taking the Lions to cover. I'm going to do it. I hate myself so much. Steelers right. Dolphins over under in this one forty eight. Steelers favored by seven and a half on the road. Is that enough? I, th- I think yeah. They sh- no, it's not enough. <laughs> That's um, not enough. I mean, I, to me, that that over under forty eight is just like it could be forty eight to zero. By the way, uh, tickets are available for that Rams Lions game starting at thirty dollars. It would be cheaper to drive yourself all the way to Detroit instead of Chicago yeah, and watch ferry, that game. Isn't there? That takes you right across. Ferry's really expensive. That's oh, going to cut is. into your margins. My dad's been trying to get me to do that like every summer. Why? Like, I don't. I don't know. Because he wants to go. To, he would. He like loves boats and ferries. And ah, stuff. that's cool. That's, that's his thing. Yeah. It's. Uh, it goes right to the town where one uh, Shannon McEwen and I grew up. Muskegon, Michigan, Muskegon. goes right there. Like it's. Um, there's not a lot to do on the other huh. side. It's not bad. It's nice in the summer. The mecca for Rotowire employees. It is like it's it's odd. Like we we've like I don't know. Fifteen percent of the company was born Rotowire there. Rotowire employee factory. Something in the water, I guess. Uh, but Steelers Dolphins. I mean, you're looking at this matchup. The Dolphins are reeling right now. They're kind of in a must-win spot too, to the point where. I don't. I don't expect them to win. I, I, I'm not the guy whoa, calling. Whoa, whoa, what? I'm not calling a Dolphins upset at home or anything. But I think they can keep it close. I think they can keep it closer than seven and a half. I, I want to take the points. Maybe. I think the over-under is, is pretty close to dead on. I think you're going to see like a pretty good track meet style game. We do see a lot of these games where it looks, you know, wild mismatch. You know, Steelers are humming on all cylinders right now. Dolphins look terrible. But, you know, everyone expects this to be a huge blowout. Maybe the Steelers come in a little overconfident. 
and the Dolphins are able to keep it closer. I mean, Steelers are winning this game. You know, is it going to be a three-touchdown margin? Yeah, maybe maybe not. Probably not. I don't know. Um, but the Dolphins are a complete mess right now. Like, the last team right now, if you're the Dolphins, that you want to see is a team like Pittsburgh. Ideally, you would get, you know, a crappy opponent here to, to kind of rebound. But I think this has the potential to go from very bad to, to even worse this week for Miami. Potential is there. If they lose this, like, the playoffs are out of the question. They're probably out of the question either way. This is like a must-win-for-dignity's sake game. Yeah, I'm going to take them with the points. I, I, I will probably regret it. I are think they the it's... worst team in the state of Florida? No. The Buccaneers? No, not the Bucks. The, the Rays? Not a football you, team. You really think the Jaguars are worse than the Dolphins? I don't think there's any notable difference between those two teams. What's the what's what's significantly better about the Jags? Honestly, they are very similar. I think if there's one quarterback that you compare to Blake Bortles as far as like development wise and disappointment wise, it's probably Tannehill, right? And you know the weapons in Miami, very talented receivers. You know I think you know Landry compares favorably to Hearns, Devontae Parker compares favorably to Robinson in some ways. I mean Robinson's better, but I just mean in terms of like overall caliber, not style of play necessarily. I, Running games that don't do anything. I think I like the Jags personnel better but there we go i think i like the dolphins coaching better yeah the jaguars have the worst coach in the nfl i'm pretty they, i mean there's some bad coaches right now but they have a they have the worst of, of them all they might they absolutely might i'm gonna go ahead and take the dolphins is there a chance arian foster plays in this game is that one of the me, one of the things that could shift things slightly with the miami offense search here limited wednesday no word yet on thursday that's kind of iffy but even if he doesn't play Dolphins plus seven and a half. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Bengals Patriots in New England. Patriots favored by eight and a half. I overestimated the Bengals last week. I thought they'd go in and get a win in Dallas. They got knocked. They they lost by two TDs. Losing 28-14 doesn't look that bad, but that was a 28-0 game late. And Dallas, in some ways, you know, kind of called off the dogs. Do you see Cincinnati rebounding and, and playing in what could be like a playoff matchup if the Bengals know. could turn their season or they're two and three right now they're 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 among the teams in a very dire spot right yes. now falling two and four would be very bad for that organization because Steelers look really strong the Ravens are just they're not pushovers so in division they could be in a really mm-hmm. bad spot if they lose again this week do you think the Patriots cover eight and a half I don't know that they cover eight and a half. I think they win this game. And, and like you said, it is a tough spot for the Bengals because at this point in the season, you're, all, you're already scoreboard watching, I think, with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh has, in my opinion, the most lopsided matchup of the week. So that, I think that kind of piles on the pressure for Cincinnati, you know, to, to avoid falling to two and four and putting yourself uh, in that three-game hole already this early in the season. And the way that Baltimore is playing, they at least look like they're going to be hanging around. You know, I don't think it's a given if you're Cincinnati that eventually you're going to pass Baltimore. I mean, you're going to have to work for it. Uh, and the, those teams haven't played yet, so that'll help. But, um, you know, it's kind of like I just said with Miami. Like, if you're, if you're Cincinnati coming off of getting spanked in Dallas last week, you know, ideally you don't have to go at New England the next week. And you, 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 this is, it's not a game that you can look to as, all right, now we get a chance to rebound. It's, you know, I think it just continues to pile on and pile on in terms of pressure. And this is a team that is much more talented than a 2-4 and four team. But when you're looking at how New England, uh, you know, projects, I think, with both tight ends – performing really well they really haven't gotten much out of the receiving core uh yet and you know with Tom Brady back for a second week it's hard for me to see Cincinnati going into New England 
and pulling out a win. Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to win. I think they're going to win by 10, so I'll take the Patriots to cover, which could be a mistake, but everything I do is a mistake with regard to these games. I like Chris Hogan. I think he was showing some signs of really maintaining uh, that rapport that he had in the preseason with Brady. I'd like to see him get back involved last week, and uh, I think we're going to see more of Hogan moving forward, especially if Edelman is dinged up. It's yeah, kind of about Edelman? I've been getting a lot of questions about Edelman the last couple of weeks, and I'd you know, I think you got to keep sticking it out. You know, the production's been there, especially with Brady, and I don't know. It's weird. The target volume's been fine, uh, but but the receptions and, and the yardage, and obviously he hasn't gotten in the end zone yet. I think he's all right. I mean, as long as he's out there and active and they're running him out there for the usual snap counts, if, if he were really broken, he's not the kind of player you'd put out there to use him as a diversion. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you wouldn't just... You wouldn't do that. You'd, you'd throw Danny Amendola into his role, let Amendola get eight or ten targets, and then have Edelman heal up. So I think physically he's okay. I'd keep plugging away with Edelman at this point. Chiefs, Raiders in Oakland. Line in this one is even over under at 47. That actually seems like kind of a high number for Kansas City being yeah. involved. I mean, it's an offense you're always a little hesitant to buy into. Defense is pretty good. Chiefs 0-2 on the road, uh, 2-0 at home. How does this one play out for you? This is another one that's close to a toss-up. I think that total is a little high. I mean, this is a team that picked off Fitzpatrick six times a couple weeks ago and turned that into 24 points you know, over the course of the entire game. So, I, I mean, we've seen this really from this Chiefs team for a long time. They're not going to try to outscore anybody, but when you're playing the Raiders, that's that might be what you have to do. So I, I like the Raiders at home in this one. I'm still a little bit skeptical of them overall. You know, they're 4-1. and one. They've been involved in a lot of close games that – you know, I've involved some questionable coaching decisions. Um, you know, they, they probably should have lost that game to Baltimore a couple weeks ago, but but nonetheless, I mean, they, they're four and one, and the offense, I think, looks the part that that we expected. And, and it's odd because the defense was supposed to be the strength of this team, and it hasn't been a complete mess, but they haven't looked like the you know borderline dominant you know kind of top ten defense that we expected. No, they really have not. Are uh, you buying into Derek Carr as a player that's taken a step forward again this year? I think so. Yeah, I mean, last year it was kind of him and Blake Bortles who were compared, and he certainly seems to have passed up Blake Bortles in the developmental curve. 7.2 yards per attempt, only up slightly from last year. but I don't like his eyes. That's the only thing. He's, that's got, those, he's got those weird eyes. Strange critique. Uh, interception rate is way down, and the completion percentage is up, 66.8% completion well, Michael percentage. Michael Crabtree turning into like 2008, Michael Crabtree has been big. That has been a nice development for the Raiders. Uh, what do you do with Latavius Murray? right now I, I don't have him anywhere so I can't actualize the problem but I feel like he's a must play if he's active even though he's getting a third or not a third maybe half of the volume yeah, touch wise we expected I, mean, I think you're kind of choosing between him Richard and and DeAndre Washington obviously in that backfield and like you said even if he's healthy is he going to get more than half the carries I don't think so because I think they still want to get those other two guys involved and you know, someone is going to have to fall out, and it's probably not going to be Murray just because he kind of comes back as the incumbent whenever he's healthy. But, you know, the, the upside, I think, with him is limited. Like, yeah, he can still probably give you RB2 value on the right week, but there's also going to be weeks, I think, where we see him carry you know, seven times for 30 yards, and you're just going to have to live with that. Yeah, that could be part of the package with Tavius Murray. I, I do wonder if the limited carries earlier in the year were the result of this injury already being a problem for him, if the turf toe had cropped up at some point in the early weeks, if that would explain it. But if he comes back after a one-week layoff, I'm not sure he's going to be healthy enough to take on a significantly larger workload. 
Falcons on the road in Seattle. Apparently they just stayed on the road. They just went from Denver to Seattle and practiced there all week, which saves you some back and forth given uh, the distance you know Atlanta and Seattle are from each other. But regardless, what are you doing with Matt Ryan this week? I mean, Julio, I still, even though he's coming off a bad game against Denver, Broncos defense kept him quiet. I don't sit Julio Jones. I think you can justify sitting Matt Ryan because as we talked about earlier, half of that production last week against Denver came on passes to yeah. Tevin Coleman. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it did kind of go opposite of what we were preaching last week. It was, you know, start Julio, probably think about sitting Matt Ryan. And, and Matt Ryan ended up being the more productive option there. And, you know, it's not surprising the amount of attention that, that Julio Jones received from that defense, only six targets, uh, six of 28, uh, you know, 28 pass attempts from Ryan. So not a terrible ratio there, but um, I think last week showed that if Atlanta can move the ball on Denver, you, you have to like their chances to move it on Seattle, you know, not, not extremely well. And I'm not looking for a 350, 400 yard game from Matt Ryan, but to me, the Denver defense is better than the Seattle defense, even if it's by a relatively small margin. So, you know, yeah, last week was a little bit fluky, you know, some missed tackles accounted for a lot of yardage out of the backfield for Coleman tackles that Seattle probably makes. Um, but at the same time, you do wonder, you know, can Julio Jones be held to two catches for two weeks in a row? Probably not. Maybe five for 60, no score right. or something like that. I mean, if he scores, that probably pays off enough to where mm-hmm. you feel fine about starting him. So I, the option you have behind him probably isn't that great. It That's usually it usually about. isn't. The expected outcome for Julio in a really tough matchup versus your fourth or fifth receiver if injuries mm-hmm. and buys are a factor, I think you'd favor Julio in the overwhelming majority of spots. I would also be careful with Tevin Coleman even still coming up that big game. I'm not convinced that mm-hmm. his – Touch volume is consistent enough where you want to trust them week in and week out. I mean, if you have better alternatives, use them. Maybe you don't. It's, it's entirely possible that you went zero RB and you know, Freeman's still healthy, but Coleman's getting touches. You have to throw him in. Fine. But I think if you're playing him over someone who has a more guaranteed role, that could be a pretty big mistake. Uh, six and a half is the number on this one. For the for the for uh, Seattle forty six. Does that seem high considering Atlanta just went into Denver? Seattle's coming off the bye though. Yeah, and they're at home. I'll give up the points. I I hate myself. Seattle. Atlanta's tough. I mean, we still everyone still feels like Atlanta's due for a, a fall at some point, right? I don't know. If they win this game, then they're for real. For yeah. real, for real. I'll I'll just take Seattle, give okay. up the six and a half. Oh, I don't think I called the last one either. I'll I'll take the Raiders even. So I, yeah, I'll take home. the Raiders at home. I'll I'll take the Falcons to cover. Gross. Packers hosting the Cowboys. 47.5 is the over-under. 4.5 is the line favoring the Packers. Elite run defense against elite running back. What happens with Zeke this week? The volume's going to be there either way, right? I mean, we could see, even if he's stifled on his first five or six carries of the game, you know, this isn't going to be a game where Dallas just gets away from that and and tries to win with the pass. I think they're going to keep pounding Ezekiel Elliott, even if it doesn't work all that well, and, and kind of count on his ability to you know, get to the second level and make something happen on his own. I mean, the Green Bay rushing defense, I think, is for real. We have enough of a sample now that, you know, it was so, it looked a little fluky through, like, the first three weeks because, you know, they were, like, a full yard and a half better than any other defense on a per-carry basis. And, you know, I think eventually that, that'll rise just kind of by default. But, I mean, this will be the big test in a lot of ways. So I think the fact that they know what the Cowboys want to do and, and the Cowboys aren't really shy about just wanting to pound the ball on you, I think that'll make it a little bit easier. I mean, they know what to expect. Uh, but at the same time, Dak Prescott's been good enough that this isn't a, you know, it's not a Case Keenum situation where you can just sell out completely 
against the run, especially with as shaky as this Green Bay secondary has been. And I thought Eli Manning and, and Odell Beckham, I think, last week kind of failed to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think the other variable here is that Dez could be out there. He's not ruled out the possibility of suiting up. Uh, the trick there, of course, is that the Cowboys are off in Week 7. They're one of the Week 7 bye teams. You wait an extra week, you heal up more. Maybe you're healthier down the stretch if you're Dez. So very questionable, but still has not been ruled out. So keep an eye on that. I think Green Bay's defense is going to get exposed a bit by the Cowboys' offensive line. I, I think Green Bay's run defense is good, but not great. I think you have to be great to stop Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's just where that running game is at right now. Uh, with that, though, I think Den- uh, the Dallas defense is is kind of average. The Packers assuming health for Randall Cobb, and Eddie Lacy may miss this game, which means James Starks uh, will be handling the carries. I don't think there's enough of a drop-off between those two where I would significantly downgrade the offense as a whole. I mean, obviously I prefer Lacy to be out there to the alternative, but I think Starks can be effective against the Dallas defense, giving up 4.6 yards per carry. I'm going to go ahead and, and take Dallas with the points, but I think it's Green Bay winning this one by a field goal or winning by one late. I think it's going to be a really well-contested game. Yeah, I think Dallas is good. You know, I, The Packers, I think, were probably viewed as the better team coming into the season, and rightfully so. And you know, They're, they're only a one-loss team. Dallas is only a one-loss team, and yeah, I think we have enough of a of a sample of Dak Prescott to to know that this isn't just a fluke. You know, uh, this is a very good Cowboys team, so it wouldn't really surprise me if Green Bay goes down at home. Um, but you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me either if if they're able to contain Zeke. I mean, what would count as a success as far as containing Ezekiel Elliott if they hold him to you know eighty eighty five yards on like twenty twenty five carries? Yeah, four four yards a carry on twenty five or less. It's just avoiding the big play. Right? Yeah, I that's mean, what it comes you, down to. Can, Obviously, you don't want to be giving up five yards every single play, but if you can prevent him from ripping off a 45-yard touchdown, uh, obviously that bodes well. Uh, as far as Cobb, limited at practice Wednesday. We haven't had a report yet uh, as of today. Eddie Lacy wasn't supposed to practice Wednesday, was supposed to focus on rehab, but, but was able to participate at the end. So I think that has to be viewed as somewhat of a good sign, at least that he was out there in some capacity when he wasn't expected to. And and they diagnosed Cobb with a, with a sore neck. I, I think I, at first it looked like maybe a concussion situation and um, you know, with as serious as, as the league handles those, you know, it's never a good thing when you're talking about an injury, but you know, I, I think a sore neck is probably the best case scenario considering how that hit looked. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's move on to the Sunday night game. Colts, Texans in Houston, very even teams reflected in the line. Houston home favored by three over under 49 Houston's defense without JJ Watt. Not expected to be nearly as effective. This is the rare week where Brock Osweiler is an interesting fantasy option in in season long in DFS, like if you're a Jameis owner who didn't carry a backup quarterback, like streaming Osweiler could actually work. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting because the Texans were, you know, as of two weeks ago, people were ready to just hand them the division. You know, they're three and zero, and then they lose to New England, and, and then they lose in pretty depressing fashion. You know, I think they were down twenty four three early in that game uh, to Minnesota last week, and all of a sudden they look just as pedestrian, or maybe slightly less pedestrian. Uh, than the Titans, the Jags, and the Colts. So if the Texans find a way to lose this game, and like you said, you know, they're only three-point favorites at home, pretty much an even game at, at a neutral site, uh, things get interesting in the AFC South, more interesting than they already are in America's division. But uh, the Colts have been a mess. The Colts probably shouldn't have won last week, um, and I'll, I'll take Houston at home. America's division. I'll take the Colts getting a three. I, I think Houston's defense is going to get exposed. They are 3-0 and at home this year. Uh, Colts would fall Colts to 2-4 and four the loss. Hmm? Exposed by who? Andrew Luck. I 
guess. Some some Andrew Luck guy. Robert Turbin. T. Y. Hilton. Sure. Just think the big the big T. Y. plays. Hilton is really really good. He's, I think he might be the most underrated, like you know, borderline top tier receiver in the NFL. I think that's a fair statement. He's getting a lot of volume with Dante Moncrief out too. Double targets every single week this season. Jets on the road in Arizona Monday night game in Glendale. This probably looked really good when they scheduled it. Probably looked Does great. Does not look very good now. Doesn't look great. Uh, it's a homecoming for Todd Bowles, right? Todd Bowles, yeah. the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals before he uh, took over the head coaching job for the Jets. Brandon Marshall, as we've seen, going to get more targets without Eric Decker. Quincy Inunua is going to try to help pick up the slack. Arizona wins this game. They, be, they go 3-3. Three and three. Seems like they'll win this game. They should win this game. Will Seven they... and a half point favorites at home. Seven and a half, though, is a lot. And I, I keep coming back to this idea that the Jets aren't actually that bad. No, they shouldn't be that bad. They really shouldn't be. The loss of Decker hurts, I think, quite a bit. Um, when him and Marshall are in the lineup and healthy together, this passing game is obviously quite a bit more threatening. Quincy Nunn has been solid. He's the, he's the third option. He shouldn't be your number two, and that, that's kind of where they've run into problems. Um I mean, I, the Jets probably could have lost quite a bit bigger than they did against Pittsburgh last week. Uh, a pretty uninspiring performance from that offense. I don't think Fitz threw a pick last week, though, did he? He did not. Broke the streak. Um, you know, I mean, Arizona has been disappointing this year, but uh, you know, if they're able to crawl back to three and three and, and kind of get some momentum going here, I think they'll be fine. I like getting the extra half. I, I'm going to take the Jets and take the seven and a half. I mean, I, I mean, Arizona's the better the team. Aren't that good? That, I mean, they. Obviously, they had a backup quarterback last week, but it wasn't until late in that game that they really took over against a really bad Niners team. Carson Palmer should be back this week, but even with that, I think the I Jets know. can yeah, keep it close. Yeah, that's not like that big of a boost as it should be, at least you know name-wise. Not unless he's playing like he was in the first half of last season. Yeah, but we haven't seen that in a while. No indication that that's been the, the, going to be the case. You know, like it just doesn't look right. Like he he looks permanently broken right now. He does, and and he's he's at the point in his career where you don't necessarily look at it and and see him having like a great chance to to figure it out or you know keep learning it's just he kind of is who he is i agree anything else on this slate that uh stands out to you anything you're looking forward to in particular i'm looking forward to going and getting a giant quesadilla from the great guadalajara mexican restaurant in, oh, yeah. in about 15 minutes right yeah you're going going quesadilla yeah, it's a nice been, choice on my mind. sad i'm missing it but got a away game today so i gotta Ooh. catch a school bus wawatosa east just a long way to go yeah, for a game say, from like, here. That's like Milwaukee, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 90 minutes that's on a school bus. That's the one with Devin Harris. Is it? I believe so. I don't know which high school he went to, but he's from Wauwatosa. Hmm. The more you know. Yeah. It's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Tim and I are back with you on Friday. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.